And so as we, as we start with a mindset, so if we shift to saying, that's what we're talking about here, these critical conversations, the avoidance, we're calling it the silent killer because it's the avoidance that's killing teams because it, it chews you from the inside. It does build irritation. It builds animosity just by not addressing it. So it does, it's a killer. You can't just avoid it and things stay the same. Things are getting worse if you're avoiding those things that matter, that need to, that they have impact. So the first mindset or consideration that we'll offer you today is that having these conversations, these critical conversations is fundamental to leadership. It's not optional. Welcome to another episode of the Mission Guys podcast, where our goal is to help equip you as a leader for transformation in the church. If you are a bishop, priest, or layperson leading a diocese, parish, school, family, or a mission-driven company, this podcast is for you. And we are your hosts. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop. And if you're new to us, we post episodes on leadership topics and host interviews with leaders just like you. Today, we are discussing the silent killer of leadership and of healthy teams and families on mission. And that silent killer is the avoidance of critical conversations. Those conversations that need to happen are often difficult, sometimes awkward, and as leaders and even as human beings in general, we too often avoid. But before we get into that spicy topic, Nick, can you open us in prayer? <laughs> I'd love to. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just ask you for your presence to be with us as we record this episode in the hopes that it will encourage and help your leaders all across the world. Holy Spirit, we ask you to inspire us and guide us, give them wisdom, give us wisdom and insight so that we can help your leaders in the church to grow in their ability and skills to have critical conversations so that the mission of your church can flourish everywhere and in everyone. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us and fill of all, fill all of our listeners. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Nick. So here's how maybe we'd run our conversation today for everybody. We'll start with just our observations, why we even think this is a great topic in working with a lot of leaders, a lot of teams on mission, just our observations, and then maybe offer some things to consider, just the mindset, the perspective. And then we'll get into maybe some very practical, typical, or targeted how-tos. You know, just, just making these easier, making sure that these critical conversations happen. And then as usual, we'll close with a bit of a mission challenge. And so, Nick, what do you think? I mean, I know you and I, we've had some discussions for years now on how important these critical conversations are, which is why we call them critical. So the one should kick us off some of your thoughts. Oh, that, that, that made me think about how long it's been since we've been talking about recording this specific topic. And we've been talking about with leaders for years. This is, so this is, this is very timely to finally put our hands to an outline, you know, and really help people think practically through how do I grow the skill of learning to have critical conversations? And they really are that. They're critical. This is not the performance review conversation where it's, hey, you know, we're getting to a point where this person has having a serious performance issue. And it's, it's potentially going to end up on a performance improvement plan or maybe their termination or, or something like that. This is not that conversation. This is also not something as 
simple as a friendly reminder to get something done. This is, these are really important conversations you need to be having with your teammates, with your direct reports, with those who you, you work with, those who you're on mission with in your family and your workplace, because these are the issues that will slowly, quietly build up and just kill the performance of the team. They make good people leave and they prevent great people from coming on the team. And, or people who are good team players becoming great team players. There's, there's, this, this, this whole realm of critical conversations has so many, so many implications. And one of the big things we observe in leaders around this is just a general reluctance. It's not everybody, but it's probably one of the more common things we see is that leaders are reluctant, maybe especially in the church, of having these tougher conversations about something that's going on. Could be as serious as uh, just a behavior pattern that you're not even sure where it's coming from. Uh, you know, it could be, could be, could be someone's, it looks like a psychological thing. It could be a little bit lighter, but still very important. Like someone's late all the time. Someone's late all the time. They're chronically late and you have to address it probably multiple times, but you have to address it and really bring it up. It might be that um, someone's uh, just their, their, their interpersonal skills are lacking. They, they just, they, there's this constant killing of a conversation around the team table. And it's like, I have to talk to you about this because I don't think they realize, you know, they're not aware that they're killing our conversations. They're killing the mood. They're, when they speak and they finish speaking, it, it sounds like, well, that's over and that's not helpful. So it's, it's these behavioral things that we need to bring up to help the team grow and the reluctance to do it. As a leader, we so often underestimate all the downstream problems it's causing from people lower levels in the organization to other teammates on the team. It's one of those things where usually everybody knows about it and no one is saying anything. And then you build up a passive aggressive behavior pattern where now I get irritated by you really quick. I might be short with you. I don't want to spend time with you. It hurts our friendship and ability to relate to one another. And, and, and now I'm being uncharitable because I've been afraid or for some other reason, having the, having the inability to have the hard conversation with you. And so this skill set, this not only skill set, but the need to have these critical conversations actually has massive implications for growing your confidence as a leader and in the interpersonal dynamics, strategically having conversations that aren't even related to the behaviors of someone. It just grows your confidence because now I have the ability to weigh in and make a difference for everybody. I think about the frequency of situations. On one hand, the frequency of those leaders and those teams who are avoiding a critical conversation. And let's say it's, you know, they're not real good with debate. They're not productively having, having productive conflict. You know, let, let's just say it's, they, they don't disagree in front of the boss or the boss always has the final say and they're not being healthy. They know it and they're avoiding it. So on one hand, there's this avoidance or if it's between, you know, a, a, let's just say it's two peers and, and one's doing something that always irritates the other one but they don't want to address it and, and say anything because they don't want to hurt their feelings. So they're going to avoid it. So I think of that, the, the, the frequency we run into together, working with leaders and teams on one end versus on the other hand, if somebody had the conversation and it went poorly and it didn't, it didn't produce the fruit they wanted, the avoidance is 10, 20, maybe a hundred times the situation where mm. they addressed it and it didn't go well. And my point here is that it doesn't have to be perfect to be able to do it. And hopefully this podcast will help equip you even more than you are today. But I encourage you that 
we're seeing a lot more avoidance than we are people at least giving it a shot. And those who give it a shot almost always produce the fruit. Now, could it go better? Yes, probably every time it could go even better. But does it produce most of the fruit they want? Absolutely. And so those conversations, as Nick mentioned, we know we need to have it. We know we need to address it. And so hopefully today, we talk through this, we encourage you to go for it, at least give it a shot. And so as we, as we start with a mindset, so if we shift to saying, that's what we're talking about here, these critical conversations, the avoidance, we're calling it the silent killer because it's the avoidance that's killing teams because it, it chews you from the inside. It does build irritation. It builds animosity just by not addressing it. So it does, it's a killer. You can't just avoid it and things stay the same. Things are getting worse if you're avoiding those things that matter, that need to, that they have impact. So the first mindset or consideration that we'll offer you today is that having these conversations, these critical conversations is fundamental to leadership. It's not optional. Or even if you're not in the position of leadership, but you want to be a healthy team member that really works well together, that it's not optional. It, it, these aren't things that are saying, well, I, I, I either can or can't. No, 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 you, you must. So therefore, if you aren't, willing to have these, then, then, then you better step away from the role you're in. That's how important this is. It's fundamental to leadership and being on a healthy team. Rick, that makes me think about uh, maybe a funny example that really depicts this on a, almost like a superficial level, but really true. You, you're at dinner and you have something in your teeth and you don't know it. I mean, this has happened to all of us in one way or another. And the person across the table, one of them, everybody sees it, but only one of them has the courage to go, hey, you know, and they kind of like either quietly point or even directly go, hey, Nick, you have, you have lettuce on your tooth right here. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So it's a little embarrassing that that happened, but I am so grateful that the next hour and a half of dinner, I don't have to sit there, go to the mirror at some point in the bathroom or get in the car and go, oh my gosh, how did no one tell me <laughs> right. I had lettuce stuck in my right. teeth? Like that, that typifies what we're talking about right here. I tell you, I love that. I love that example. So let's build on it a little bit more. So to all aspects of that simple example is how thankful are you when somebody points it out? You weren't aware of it. You know, and sometimes we are aware of some things, but to know that it's bothering somebody or it's making me look bad and that person cares so much about me that they're helping me not look so bad. How thankful are we? And, and even in the way in which no, somebody seriously. can make the point, right? They can be subtle. They could kind of just kind of touch their lip and you're like, oh, thank you. You know, that's one way, you know, versus pointing and saying, ha ha, you got stuff hanging from your nose, you know, it, you know, to the way in which it's said. So that simple example, Nick, I love it. And we can use that as kind of that little tool out there that said, how would that happen? Why would we not address that? Because it's out of care for that person. It's out of care for the situation. They know that everyone sees it, you know, and so that person who steps up and then how you take it. And, you know, we can get scrupulous and, and then get freaked out by it and say, oh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a loser. And, and nor do we want these conversations to happen where then I'm so nervous. I'm checking my nose a thousand times. I'm checking my teeth a thousand times, right? It's, we could take it to an extreme on that one, but even that's a good metaphor for what we're talking about here. So thanks for getting me all on a tangent there, Nick. The, it's a, thank you, Lord. It's a good example of, a, of a, the kind of the simplicity and the, the love for another. I mean, it might be distracting you that someone's got something stuck in their teeth, but the real truth is you care about them. So, all right. 
Let's yeah, talk about it. the next piece of critical conversations. This, this, the, the need to take all these things to prayer. It is so important. It's, we would say it's critical. You might find yourself irritated by someone's behavior or thing they have going on. You might be annoyed by an inability they seem to have or a, a lack of awareness they seem to have about whatever it might be. But taking it, and it, sometimes it's so obvious and so simple, you don't need to go discern this and take this to the, like the chapel and sit with Jesus about it. But for those things that are a little bit bigger, for those things that are a little bit more weighty, it's a great self-check to go say, I'm going to get the Lord's perspective on this. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show me what he sees, how he sees me, how he sees this person, how he sees this behavior affecting the team so that I'm not just me and my thoughts. I'm not, I'm not coming at this from a defensive or overly emotional place. I'm working through that stuff with the Lord so that I can have their best in mind, the best for our team, our mission, and for myself and our relationship. So getting the Lord's perspective will, will, will really be that corrective lens we need to have so that we're doing the best we can to show up to this critical conversation. So the most critical conversation is prayer. So that's, that's, that's a mindset. It's foundational to what we're talking about here. Taking it to the Lord is a critical conversation with the Lord about the situation. You know, I'm thinking about some scriptural guidance here, Nick, that doesn't it maybe apply exactly, but in Matthew 18, verse 15, it talks about, you know, when you have an issue with, with your brother or your brother has sinned against you and it's, 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 it's commanding us to, to take it up first with your brother, with that person. Too often we are observing where somebody has an issue with a person and they'll talk about that person or they'll talk about that situation but not with that person and not with that person on the situation. And so we think that guidance scripturally um, applies here is that, you know, take it up with that person first and you've got to determine what's the best venue. Sometimes it's fine to talk in the team about a situation. It's fine. You got to pray on that. That's why, you know, the prayerful part of the critical conversation first kind of, it would give you that guidance as to where and how to best address this. But the point here is that take it up with that person first, always charitably, always kindly, and, and, and not let it fester. Do that. And then, and then you can bring in others. Maybe you'll see the need. Let's bring in an advisor. Let's bring in a coach. You know, let's bring in maybe the broader team for, for a certain situation. Let's stay on the scripture theme for a bit. This is really good. And, and, and biblical examples help us as leaders to think about this isn't just me and my thoughts or me trying to, you know, figure out a way to gain control. Like the Lord wants you. He wants you to step in courage to do this. And he, he's modeled it for us really well at the apostles. So Jesus' example himself, he's always charitable. Just remember that. Every time you see the Lord calling someone out or on, he's always charitable. And he's always doing it with their best interest in mind and heart. And that's the position you find yourself in as a leader. No, you're not Jesus. So you have to get over the fact that you're not perfect and you're going to call people on from your imperfection. That's okay. You can't let your sense of, you know, um, your own sense of struggle, your own sense of, of insecurity prevent you from helping other people to grow and then for, therefore being open yourselves. So think about Peter and Jesus in Matthew 16. Peter just gets done declaring when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Peter just gets done, done declaring he's the son of God. And Jesus says to him, blessed are you for the father in heaven. Your father in heaven has revealed this to you. 
So there's like this glorious moment with Peter. And like just a, in, in the scripture, just a few verses later, we have Jesus foretelling about his coming death, right? And resurrection on the third day. And Peter's response is, God forbid it. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. So this is a great one for thinking about, okay, I'm honoring someone on my team. So here's Jesus honoring Peter, holding Peter up as a, as a, as a model, as an example. And then just a short while later, seeing Peter's behavior shift to that of man, that of the spirit of the world, spirit of the flesh. And Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. But that wasn't like, hey, Peter, you're not a part of the 12 anymore. Goodbye. You know, Jesus, Jesus immediately calls out the behavior, the mindset that's not appropriate and pulls Peter back into relationship, keeps him close. Their, their relationship didn't change. It, it got stronger from this. So here's just a great example of the first pope with Jesus, the, the tension between being encouraged and called on to greatness. Another scripture, James and John. Here they are, they see the people rejecting Jesus and his message, and they want to call down thunder and fire and destroy the entire village. Jesus ends up calling them the sons of thunder from this. This is, and, and again, saying this is not what we're going to do. This is not the appropriate response. And there, he, he calls them on charitably so that they can become great. Another one is the disciples, they break out an argument about who the greatest is among them. And Jesus knows their thoughts. So as a leader, think about yourself and your team. You know what's going on. You see some dysfunction. You see some arguments. You see some quiet banter happening. Jesus, what's his response? He hears it. He knows of it. And he calls it out. He doesn't let it go by. Yeah. He sees they're arguing about who's the greatest. And he simply says, here I am the greatest among you. I'm paraphrasing. And I serve at table. He didn't come to lower his yeah. greatness over anybody. He came to use his greatness to serve everyone else. And so he calls them out, holds up the example of humility, his posture, and then pulls them again, deeper into truth, deeper into who they're called to be, deeper into their greatness. So again, the Lord is just is back and forth. I see the problem. I address it right away and you get better for it and we get stronger for it. Yeah, I love that one. I love having the opportunity to have Jesus as the ultimate leadership role model. And I know when there was the craze on all the bracelets of the, what would Jesus do bracelets? And it's too bad that such a great concept kind of gets marginalized because it was, it was, it became a more of a fad maybe for so many people, but it's so true, you know, to be able to sit back and say, as a leader, what would Jesus really do in this situation? I think that's part of this, this podcast and our, and our advice, you know, this mindset considerations is truly ask, what would Jesus do? I think of his conversation with the rich young man being straight with him and the rich young man you know, really wanted to follow and, and he got right to the root of it. And Jesus get, you know, gave him the little leeway, the way in which he talked to him about it. He didn't humiliate him and say, nope, you're, you know, you're weak. You know, he asked him. And, and the rich young man told him, well, I'm following all the commandments. And he, and he shared with him, here's what you should do. And then he told him, he, he was straight with him. He was straight with him. Sell everything and follow me. It, again, that's a critical conversation. And you say it in a loving, charitable way. And you're not, you're, you make it clear. You get to the point and, and let that person then respond. Or, or maybe another example is when 
Saul, before he was Paul, is riding to Damascus. He gets just knocked off his horse. And, and so this is post-resurrection. This is, and, and what does Jesus say to, to Saul at the time? He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he asked the question. And by asking the question, the power of questions, and when we get into the tips, we'll talk more about this, but the power of questions and letting somebody then soul search, letting somebody think through their situation. All right. And, and all these examples with Jesus are big. And, but, it, but it, we just, it's just so important and it's great. You know, God, thank you for making us Christians, for allowing us to be Christians, <laughs> for having that role model. So many people are wandering generalities, as Zig Ziglar used to say. They don't have any rudder. They don't know. What do you compare it to? We've got the comparator. We've got the ultimate leader. I'll give you a little example, Nick, in my own situation. And this is somewhat early still in my deepening of the journey of where, where we are. And I always appreciate for sure, you know, Father John and you and others in my life who have helped me really pray more in order to know what to do. Pray more to have critical conversation with the Lord. So very early, this is, this is years and years ago. But I was on a, a public board on a public university, and it was a really tough situation. And, and it was, it had to do, I was the chair of the board at the time, and it had to do with who was going to be the next chair. And there was a, there was a, you know, the, the, the group was dividing. And one thing, if you're on, especially on a public university or on a public board, public utility, whatever, to have unity is critical. The more you can be united, the better, mm. because, you know, media likes to jump into division and have, you know, issues and highlight issues. So anyway, I remember I started getting into the habit of going to adoration before the board meetings. So I was in another town. I'd, I'd you know, I'd be in my hotel. I'd get up. I'd go to adoration, pray. And, and in this, I remember this case. I was like, Lord, just help me in this situation. Didn't even know what I was asking. I was just, I know I need to have this critical conversation. I was the one that was asked to have a couple of conversations. And just sat in adoration, and I was just thinking about the situation. And, and in doing so, I received such clarity. And I can't even describe it. It wasn't like I heard words. It wasn't like, but I had clarity. I wasn't even, I didn't even have my notebook in this case. I was just, it's like, I see more clearly. I see the situation. I see what is right. I see what is noble. You know, I see what is of character. Because you know, it's, it's easy to get into politics. And I just remember having that clarity. And so maybe that's one way of leading us into this, this next section of our conversation around practical tips, practical approach. And, and, and so but that, that to me, it, it, it gives a little bit of an example of, of how this played out in my life. And, and so I do it a lot more now. I mean, it, it works. So I think it's a great example. And, and the healthy processing with Jesus, really praying through it. That takes us right into our first practical tip, and that's starting with your own heart, with prayer, asking the Lord, asking the Lord, do, you, do I need to have a critical conversation here? And, and here's some questions that we think you could take to prayer, you know, and reflect on with the Lord to help you determine if you need to have a critical conversation. So the first question would be, is something at stake in this situation? What are the stakes? Number two, what's the impact if nothing changes? If, the, if things continue as they are. Number three, is action needed from both of us? So I might be the one leading a critical conversation or thinking about that, but what, what actions do I need to take to be helpful? 
to be supportive or to even change change things myself? And then the fourth question, is it a conversation? Is it a critical conversation? Or is this an ultimatum? And the ultimatum would be things have to change or, or this isn't going to work out, which is more toward that performance uh, kind of conversation we talked about in the beginning. So what are what are the what are the things the Lord is saying to me as I reflect on these questions with him so that I can land in the right space to have that conversation? And we want to be really clear. Something at stake, that doesn't, we're not saying it ha- the stakes have to be super high. I mean, if you worked, this, this is a silly example, but a true example. If you worked in, in like a sales or consulting world and you had a teammate who had really bad breath all the time, and it was actually, you could just see it was like, it was impacting the way people interacted with them. That would be like, hey, something's at stake here. Their own, their, own, their own interactions with other people and our organization are actually harmed by that. This is, this is, I've seen this. This is true. I've seen people call this out before. And it's helpful to acknowledge the stakes might not be like dire, but that's the whole point. We're having these conversations so things don't get dire. And then, and then this other part to take to prayer and really check your heart on is what are my motives? Why do I need to have this conversation? Is it truly God's will for me to have this conversation? And in prayer, like, Lord, show me. I want to imagine what you would do in this. How would you have this conversation? How, how would you talk to this person? How would you engage them? In light of all the scripture and many others that we didn't list in this, in this episode. Nick, you know, we work closely together. You're, you're making me wonder now with this oral, this hygiene examples you've been using. Now, I know it can't be breath for me today because we're 500 miles away from each other and I'm watching myself <laughs> on video, so I don't see anything on my teeth or anything anywhere, but you are making me think. So I'm going to see now that's going to put me unnoticed, which is going to help me, going to help me. So I, I'm, I'm, now you got me thinking, but it won't, it won't go overboard. All right. So let's assume that as a result of prayer, uh, you're still solid. You get more clarity of the situation. You're, you're, you've, you've, you've uh, dug into the motives and, and with the Lord's you know, guidance, now you're going to do this. You're going to do this. So the next very practical step is schedule the discussion. It's actually schedule the discussion. Um, and now, most likely you're going to maybe need a verbal heads up to the person. You, know, you might say something like, hey, I'd like to talk about how it's going. You know, I've got some ideas to share. I want to hear your thoughts too. And let's just get together. I'm going to schedule 30 minutes to an hour and don't worry about it. I, well, no, I'm going to put a little asterisk here. These conversations, even the quick heads up really depends on your culture. If you already have a culture of feedback and you always already have a culture where everybody is always looking how to even get better, they're looking for ways to even get better. It really helps avoid even these little comments being scary. You know, even for really, and for really small things, uh, a meeting may not be needed. If you already have that culture and you can just walk up to somebody and say, hey, awesome meeting. Here's what I loved. And next time I even consider doing this a little differently. If that's going to devastate somebody, your culture's not ready for that, then schedule a meeting. All right. So you give them a little bit of a verbal heads up. Hey, I'm going to get on the calendar just to have a conversation, you know, make it feel safe, but then schedule it and schedule 30 to 60 minutes. You know, if it's a, if it's a pretty involved topic, you might go to an hour. We we recommend don't go longer than an hour. If it starts to get beyond that, it's too much at one time. You want to be real clear. You want to pray into it. So we actually schedule it. You might say, Hey, we got a 30 minute meeting, but give yourself space in case it goes longer. Or you might schedule a 45 minute, give yourself space to go up to an hour, or you might just schedule the hour and say, we may not need an hour, 
but let's just, let's just talk and we have up to an hour, but make sure you're time bound. That's, that's the advice. Schedule it, schedule an hour, give a verbal heads up. So you don't scare people and it all depends on your culture. You might have to explain a little bit further, but you don't want to blindside anybody. You don't want to hit them cold on something that's a critical conversation. You might want to give them a little bit of more info so they can prep themselves as well, especially if you have a culture of prayer. And then once you actually do it and not, let's say meeting, meeting comes, you're going to have it, right? So come into the meeting, even the way you sit or go for a walk. We, we recommend going for a walk. Now, if you go for a walk, it's got to be a casual walk. It can't be around a lot of people, can't be around a lot of traffic, but some, some of you have good grounds you can work on. Some of you have very prayerful grounds. You just want to have an easy walk, but walks really are well, or go well. You don't have a seating situation. If it's in a meeting, you're in a conference room, don't sit right across from each other. Even a 30 degree angle puts you at least a little bit side by side. It's like we're, we're, we're more friends talking rather than, you know, people on opposing views or on the other side of the table. I mean, we use those analogies for a reason or we use those metaphors for a reason. In, in this situation, you want to make it safe. That's what this is all about. How you sit, where you're walking, you want to make it safe. If you need to apologize, then apologize. But don't apologize if there's no reason to apologize. Some te- sometimes people give a gratuitous apology, but you don't need one. And then that, that kind of erodes credibility. It, it, it'll be superficial because it is superficial if you don't need to apologize. And, and, in, and the last part of making it safe would be what we might call establishing a mutual purpose. You know, something we're here together. We're talking about how it can even be better for us. You know, uh, we want our ideas together. We're going to come out of here with, with, a, with a great plan coming out of here, and it's even going to be better. Our relationship's going to be better, even if there's some sensitivity coming out of it, but you're in this together. So that, that idea of mutual purpose, all this is around making it safe. So this next practical advice is to really make the purpose of the meeting clear. Now you're in the meeting, you're sitting there together, make clear what you want to talk about and lay out how you want to hear from them, how you, how, how it's going. You want to share how it's going from your perspective and together you want to come up with a way to move forward, a plan. So this, this, this is a very simple step, but it's really important that when you do get into your meeting now, you're really laying out Here's the things I want to talk about. Here's the things I want to reflect on together. And you want to really open up the opportunity to listen to them first and hear what's going on and then share your perspective and then land. How do we get corrective action? How do we work on this together? And yes, together is the key term there. Yeah, I think that it's one of these where you're, you're balancing the original, you know, you, you've talked to them and said, hey, I want to get together and talk about how it's going. Your detailed concern that will be included in that discussion might be the person's always late. Let's use that as an example. So you don't want to just hit them cold and say, hey, I'm going to set up a meeting and talk about why you're always late. I mean, that, that would be damaging. But you could say, hey, I want to just get together. Let's just talk about how it's going. All right. And then when you're in the meeting, it's like, hey, I just want to share some perspectives on it here. You think it's going first. And, and it leads into our next bit of advice and very practical. For those of you who are fans of appreciative inquiry and experts in appreciative inquiry, this is such an, an important must-have tool in leadership. And those who aren't familiar, and maybe it's just the terminology of appreciative inquiry, it, it really starts with asking questions. Jesus did it all the time. It's super effective. 
And so let's just say it's this situation where you gave them the purpose of the meeting to talk about how it's going. One of the real concerns you have is they're always late. Maybe there's some other things, but you start with asking their perspective, right? It's you're, you're appreciative in the inquiry. It's like, Hey, I, I really, you're doing some really good things. I want to hear your perspective on how it's going. And, and then I just want to talk about there's areas to even get better and let them go. So you're asking first and, and now they may offer. And most times they do. People normally can see where they're really strong. They normally can see some of their issues. So if this person is self-aware, they might say, man, I've been having some trouble being on time. I need to get better at that. It's one of my pet peeves that I'm working on. Now, if they don't offer it, ask again. Hey, you look, you look for agreement. You're, you know, you're looking for agreement, but you're asking. And then you might ask again, you know, so what else? How might you even get better? All right. So this, it starts with appreciative inquiry. And in allowing them to talk. And as you're asking these questions, as you're giving them the opportunity, you're learning to look and listen even better. So probably the most important thing in the, in this practical tips we're giving you is this ability to look and listen. Often when we're doing in a critical conversation, we're so concerned about ourselves and how we're coming off. We forget to look and listen at them and to them. Now, it's important to be checking yourself and you're being self-aware. What's my body language? How am I coming off? Am I actually showing that I'm listening? Worst thing you can do is be looking at your computer, looking at your phone, obviously, but people do this. They'll have this critical conversation, they'll ask a question, and then they're checking their phone to see what's coming in. So yes, check self, but more importantly is you're watching them. What's their body language? What words are they using? What emotions are they conveying through their body language and their words? And you're constantly looking for agreement and alignment first, but at the same time. So I, I say first priority, you want to know where you're aligned. You want to know where you agree, where you don't agree. So this ability to look and listen, be self-aware, yes. Look and listen at what they're saying, what they're doing. Stay focused on the purpose of the meeting. Another critical point, these often get sensitive. And if it's not a feedback culture, if it's not a strong person you're talking with, if it's an insecure person, there's a natural tendency to try to distract and go off on something else. You know, discomfort has a way of finding what we call rabbit holes. Discomfort has a way of finding tangential topics. And so be aware of that and charitably bring them back, charitably say, oh, I, I see where you're going on that one. That could be an, an interesting chat and that might take a while. Let's, let's come back to, you were saying something about this. Tell me more about that. You'll get them back on track. So you stay up, focused on the purpose of the meeting. And then when you, okay, they share their perspective through your appreciative inquiry, you've opened the door and they've shared. And when then you're sharing now and you've taken a few notes, don't be crazy on taking notes either. That's a distraction. You want to avoid all distractions. You want to be engaged, take some notes, but don't be scribbling word for word because it becomes a distraction and they're going to be watching you writing rather than knowing that you're really listening. So then when you're sharing your perspective, <laughs> highlight the alignment first. Here's what we agree. Here's what I see. And then you, after you've given them a chance, hey, explain more about this. So let's say this example, the person who they didn't bring up that they're always late. You might ask one more time. So tell me, how are you doing with your punctuality? 
how are you doing with being on time? I know it's an area that, you know, is important to me. It's important to us, important to the team and see if they bite. Now, hopefully they will. Now, in a rare case that they don't, now you have to get less appreciative inquiry and more directive. Hey, this is an area that I see that you really need to focus on, even to the point of, and it's just not acceptable. So I'm just going to ask you to find better ways to manage that part of it. All right. So ultimately, as you come out of this, you come out of this, you want no daylight between you and that person. This is your opportunity. If, if, if you can't get into it, then you're not going to get into it. So our challenge there is like, this is the chance. It really is a chance for no daylight. And at least you say, let's give it a shot. So if you've come up with a, a tentative plan, maybe it's not exactly what you want. And, and when I say no daylight, no daylight on clarity of how we see the situation. You don't have to agree, but there's, it's super clear. Here's how I see it. Here's how you see it. You try to drive where maybe you have disagreement, but at least you know there's no daylight between your perspective and my perspective. We see where each other sits. And hopefully the more you see it, together and more overlap, the better, but it's not always. Any solution, let's give it a shot and make yourself available for, th for further discussions. It's just not right then. Don't make it a three-hour back and forth circular argument. And, and so I know there's, there's a lot there that I probably threw at people, but hopefully there's some nuggets in there that if it fits and it feels right, wear it and use it. Yeah. One of the things we wanted to do was get granular so for someone who might be like, that's pretty granular detail, but we, this is so important. This is really important and it's avoided by leaders in the church, in the secular world too, in families and marriages, we avoid critical conversations and it just, it just keeps us all from being our best, from being our best for Jesus, for ourselves, for those we love, we care about, we serve. All of us want to model our best selves for everybody else. You know, if you're a leader, you want to everybody to look up to you, not in some sort of egotistical way, but like, I want you to look to me as the example. That's what Jesus did. Look to me as your example on some of these things. And so assuming you don't have this culture, which most of us don't, assuming this wasn't modeled for you in your childhood, for most of us, it wasn't. Maybe one of the easiest things you can do to start building this is to just let your team know. Think about your next leadership team meeting, your all staff meeting to say, hey, I know that I avoid critical conversations. Name a couple of, you know, playful examples if you want. From bad breath to being on time, whatever. And I want to work on this. I want all of us to grow in our ability to have really important critical conversations over our behaviors, our tendencies, our, our strengths and our weaknesses, so that we can all get better for Jesus, get better for mission, and really, really help ourselves grow this, this whatever it is, parish, diocese, school, family, whatever it is, to grow it to its best. And to do that, I want you to know that I'm working on this skill and I might start asking some of you to have one-on-ones with me to talk about these things. And I just want to let you know, it's awkward. It's hard, but I'm going to work on this. And I want, by me working on it, I want you to work on it as well. So that all of us can develop this culture where we're always thinking, how do we get even better? Regardless of where we are, good, bad, somewhere in the middle, it's not about that. It's about how do we get even better today, tomorrow, the next day, so that over time we become excellent. And then maybe, maybe one more thought as the leader. The key we said is prayer to start this whole thing off. We cannot stress that enough. If you're going to build this culture, you have to build a role model how to handle these situations. And you can't be the one to get overly emotional. I'm not saying, we're not saying that, that, that like, if that happens, you can't recover. 
but you can't get overly emotional. You have to be able to maintain a good baseline emotional posture through this process so that other people can learn, hey, this really isn't personal. This is about being our best. So there's a couple more thoughts on you uh, for, uh, for you as a leader to get to get started to to start building this culture. I love that idea, Nick, of of being transparent about that's something I'm working on as a leader. That that vulnerability we talk about, the vulnerability you develop trust, vulnerability, vulnerability based trust, and to to make your intentions known. Say so we will be better at this, and I'm not good at it. And I'm going to be better at it, and I might stub my toe on occasion. And I'm encouraging you to, to talk to me about the things that you believe we need to talk about. So in, in me sharing with them, that's opening the door then for them to know they can come to me. And so let's, let's go to the mission challenge on our journey to have really good breath and no chives in our teeth. This mission challenge will help you <laughs> knock, knock it out of the park. So here we go. So here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And it starts with prayer. We want you to take this to prayer. Pray into it, the dialogue with the Lord. I mean, we're just asking. It's like you're talking to a friend and listen to his inspiration, his wisdom, his guidance. You know what's not working for you. You know what's not working for your team. And, and we want you to pray into that, the next step in the journey to grow. It might be very personal. It might be you and a person. It might be, it might be something that really starts with you that you need to initiate, you know there's something, there could be some bad blood, there could, could be some baggage from the past, but pray into it. In that prayer, you make a list of potentially needed critical conversations. You ask those questions that Nick had mentioned earlier, ask the questions, is there impact? Is there something that needs to be addressed? Is there something that's eating us inside? Where are the silent killers? Where are the silent killers? Until you make this list of potentially needed critical conversations, asking those questions. All right. After you then determine through prayer, I need them. Those are the ones. Communicate to those with whom you'll be meeting. And again, it really depends on your culture. It really depends on how open you can be in the initial mentioning. You might have to stay very high level and say, I just want to have a one-on-one. -on -one. I got some thoughts I want to share. Uh, but it could be more targeted. It could be very targeted. Hey, let's let's talk about, let's debrief your last meeting that you led. And I really want to parse it and see how we can even get better. Okay. So you're going to communicate to those with whom you're going to have the critical conversation. Schedule them. Schedule 30 to 60 minutes. Not more than 60. Maybe it's more than 30, but up to 60 minutes, not less than 30. Schedule them. And then plan for this discussion. We plan for the discussion by further prayer. And depending on how much you've shared with them, ask them to pray into it as well. And so you're prepared. You're based on prayer. You're thinking about it. You've got your plan. Come in prepared. Come in with thoughts. You don't know where you're going yet. You won't have the answer, but you might have some ideas. You might have some alternatives. So you plan for the discussion. Pray for gratitude as well. That's one of the things. It's not only praying for the issue. Pray together for gratitude in the session. So let's say you're now you're in the meeting. Pray together, starting with gratitude and ask for the grace then of staying focused on God's will. It's easy to get personal during a critical conversation. It's easy. And, 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 it, and it, you know, the, the evil one doesn't want good God's will in this discussion. The evil one wants us to be very human, be very fleshly, to be very insecure to have animosity, to scapegoat, to blame. 
Okay. You know his tactics. We know his tactics. So we're going to pray in gratitude together in this conversation to kick it off and ask for the grace of staying focused on God's will all the time. And then have the discussion. And after the discussion, reflect on it and think about how can it even go better the next time. You're going to get good at this because you're a leader. You're going to get good at this because you want to be a great team. You want to be a family on mission. And we're going to have these conversations. It's the mindset. It's not optional. We have to have them. And I guarantee it. And we guarantee it. I'm speaking, I know, on behalf of Nick as well in this. We guarantee that you'll come out of it saying, which we see all the time, oh, we should have done that months ago. Oh, I'm glad we finally did that. <laughs> Even if it was messy. We guarantee because we see it all the time. Rick, I want to honor you. I know you're going to close us in prayer. As you listen to this episode, friends, even just listen to the way Rick phrases questions and topics. He has such a gift and natural capacity for this. Rick coaches me all the time. Uh, you've called me out on so many of my behavioral things, Rick, to make me even better. And oh, when we, when, I just want to you like it very, or not, very right? brief story. Yeah, whether I like it or not, you've been accused of being feedback rich, as you would say. <laughs> but, uh, but Rick's great at this. And so Rick's my brother. We run together in mission. And if something comes up, he'll say it. He'll, he'll, he'll say, hey, let's, let's go for a little walk and, and chat about things. Or, you know, how's it going? And, and he'll ask me, like, how am I doing? How can I grow? But we'll have these conversations with consistency. And it's been so helpful for me to have Rick model how to do this with maturity, how to do it in friendship. And so Rick can say some really hard things, really challenging things to me now, because I genuinely believe He's got my best interest at heart. And he's shown me that even after we have these conversations, he doesn't get distant. This is important for you as a leader. Rick doesn't get distant in our relationship. He gets closer. And so the ability to have critical conversations and get even closer, to be friendly, to be joyful, to be playful, to enter deep into the relationship together, shows somebody you really love them and you care about them. And that thing is not a place of separation. It's a place of growth. Nick, I appreciate that. And at the risk of this becoming a love vest between you and me, I just thankful on, on somebody who's so gifted as you, so talented and still so humble and hungry and wanting to get better. And if everybody had that mindset, this would be easy. These critical conversations would be easy. I know I can approach you and I know you know you can approach me and, and that's how it should be with everybody. So with that in mind, let's, let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for these leaders in the church, leaders of schools, leaders of families, leaders, faith-based leaders of companies. Lord, we just thank you for them. Thank you for my brother in Christ, Nick, and all those who we run with and those bishops and those priests and all these lay leaders who are out there and especially those listening to this podcast. Lord, we thank you for them. We thank you for their yes in what they're doing. And as they're doing your will, Lord, we ask for special graces to be poured upon all of us so that as we discern where these silent killers are, Lord, help us see clearly, help us have the courage, give us the courage as Holy Spirit, give us the courage to be able to address these situations that need to be addressed, these conversations that need to be held, and Lord, help us to always be charitable as you have been for us, Lord Jesus, in your directness, always charitably. Thank you for the role model, Lord Jesus. And in closing this podcast, Lord, we just ask special blessings one more time 
on all those who are really struggling right now, struggling in leadership. Help them to see the gifts they have. Help them to have that confidence, that unshakable confidence that you've given them every bit of skill needed to lead where they're leading. We pray all this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being a part of this episode and inviting us to be a part of your leadership journey. You are in our prayers. Please keep us in yours. And the words of our patron, St. Junipero Serra, always forward, never back.